Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. the boys in white and blue and we're back for another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful, British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Panter. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And welcome to the last episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. Before we hit episode 500. Yes, we've got our milestone episode coming up next week. But that's for the future. We've got a packed show this time. Mostly focusing on Whitecaps chat. We're going to be looking at all the big stories in Whitecaps land this week. We're going to be chatting about the three pre-season games that they've got under their belt. And then we're also going to be turning our attention to the exciting, hopeful news that came out this week. That Vancouver is still in the mix for hosting World Cup games in 2026. All of that is to come. Before we get into any of that, though, it's time to start off with how we're starting off a lot of the shows this year. It's TVOD. 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 Yes, TVOD, for, for those maybe new to the show that, that don't know what TVOD is, is sometimes it's just a section where we're going to be chatting to, to Whitecaps players about their favourite TV shows or any TV shows that they're watching just now to, to pass the time. Other times, like this week, we're going to be chatting about a specific TV programme or a documentary or a film or a, a, a movie documentary, various things that we're going to cover that... You can either find on the various streaming services or in DVD or downloads or just a wide variety of places. So in this week's show, we're getting right up to date with a movie that came out in 2020. It's available on Netflix. It's an Italian film called Ultras. I maybe should have saved this for next month because it is obviously Football Violence Awareness Month in March. But the, the plot of Ultras revolves around escalating violence by football fans in Naples. And it kind of tells the story of a split in the Ultras, a kind of the old school guys, the older guys that's been 
with the ultras for a number of years, started the ultras in some cases, and the, the new crop coming through that want to do things a little bit different, and then you've got the, it's kind of like a tier system really, where you've got the young guys coming through as well, and they're not allowed to do certain things at matches, and they've got to just wait, and they're kind of more the errand boys for, for some of the stuff as well. So we'll get a little bit into the film, but I mean, Zach, this must just have taken you back to your Curva Collective days. Oh, that's both funny and not funny. <laughs> um, no, um, not not really. Um, it. Uh, I think one thing we have to point out, Michael, like it says at the very begin- beginning of the film, is that this is like not based uh, directly on any of the real. The real yeah, groups. it's not based on that. I, I want to say that the main intro group there is called the Neapolitanos or or something. It's something like that anyway, but this was a a made up, a fictitious uh, ultra group called Apache. Yeah. Uh, And then there's a little split and there's no name. Naples is another group that kind of comes along and wants to do things differently. So, yeah, they they did stress. We should also probably point out right from the start as well. It's a very violent film. Lots of sex, lots of violence. Uh, It's not going to be for everyone. It's definitely a mature audience. Yeah, the other thing I was going to say is, is I think it also makes note that no ultras were involved in actually making the movie. Yeah, no ultras were harmed in the making of this all, movie. Well, not to harm, but they weren't involved, which in the ultra community would be significant. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to be connected to something like this. Probably, um, probably not. But you're right. Yeah, it is. It, this is not for everyone. I don't know. I think it's rated TVMA or whatever. Like, yeah, it's got, uh, you know, um, significant language, even though it's in Italian and. Uh, I watched it with subtitles and... Uh... Well, yeah, that's the thing. I watched it with sub- in, in Italian with subtitles. And then during it, I thought, I, I, I'll maybe just try it dubbed in English. Because I, I like foreign films. I used to go... I've spoken about this in the, the show before. I used to go to a place in Edinburgh called The Film House. And it was a very arty film house because that was me, pretentious prick back in the day. But I used to love to hang out there. It's an absolutely wonderful cinema. And they had a lot of art house films and foreign films and stuff like that. So I, I like a good foreign film. I tried it dubbed into English and it lasted two minutes. Mm, yeah. The, the scene, just randomly that I decided to do it, an American couple come into a cafe and they're asking directions. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the ultras are, are telling them where to go. And they're doing that in an, in an American accent. It's like, hey, you Americans, get out of here. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, it's, okay, go, go back to any, the Italian now. <laughs> any, any foreign film, when it's dubbed into English, it sounds horrible. Yeah. Any, any foreign film. I haven't seen one good one yet. Yeah. And so, I, yeah, so it's, there's, there's lots of violence. There's lots of, uh, you know, language. That Michael said there's sex. Uh, a lot. Yeah. Drugs. And, yeah drug drug use and yeah it's so it's not and then there like there are just some things that i think people especially in our current culture would find offensive like even probably the the name of the main ultra group apache with the symbol yeah i was talking to caitlin about that as well because they've got tattoos on them of like native american Mm -hmm. that your traditional apache look i guess if you think back to old movies and stuff so yeah i wondered how, how that will go down in, in in certain markets and stuff at, at the moment. I guess, first and foremost, like, did you enjoy it? I, I wouldn't say I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I, it was, uh, some parts were a little bit interesting, but um, it also, I think it's also important. Like to, the movie here. 
it's also a little bit well i, I don't know it's on netflix like people watch it or not like it's not the end of the, the world but it, it's not like for those who've seen things like you know green street or football factories or that kind of stuff like it's not or football factory it's not it's, it's like an italian take on so it's the italian culture of things so it's not mm. the quite the, quite the same although there are maybe some similarities but um i, I don't know it, because i um i appreciate italian football culture and i uh I, I do find some of some some parts of the ultra supporter culture interesting in that sense i, I found it interesting to watch now steve we had a, a little chat about it before we were recording this film didn't blow you away oh uh, the it's just the script was a little bit uh, light the, the characters weren't really drawn i i feel like this would have been really well done if it was done in like a 10 episode mini series kind of mm. thing where they could have really brought it up and everything like that brought it out um overall it, it seemed very forced um it was filmed really well um i really enjoyed the music and stuff like that but yeah it was an story, interesting selection of music yeah but the but the the film itself i'm not a big fan of it all it was it was too it was lazy and, and cheap and stuff like that it didn't really didn't really give a motive obviously everybody that knows ultras culture knows the motivation but for people that are, are not part of it it doesn't really give a motivation for them it doesn't really bring it out well in, so in were, were you hoping to watch the film and then go and cause trouble at football no <laughs> No, I'm just, I'm just, no, but you need it. Like you, you need to show motivation for these characters, why they act this way. I just don't feel like mm. it was enough for me. And no, that's, and, that's interesting. Yeah. Cause I, like in a 10 part series, you could go into the backstory of a yeah, few of the guys as to how they got, got involved in the gr- the gang and put, turned them on to it and stuff. Because it, it seemed like they, that's what they wanted to do, but you can't really do that. I think it was like an hour and 40. Hour and 40 yeah. So it's not yeah. even a full two-hour movie, so it's hard yeah. to get all that into that, the... That's fair, right? Because the movie starts off with the main guy or the main guy, one of his buddies, who, like, they can't go to the football because they've been banned, right? Yeah, yeah so they have to sign in at the police station. Yeah, yeah they, when the game, every, game, every game home starts, game. Go, yeah. yeah. I, I, liked, I liked the chant, honor the band. That was nice. That was a kind of a memorable moment, too, mm. uh, when they would do that. I um, mean, uh, just to let you know, I, I know they said at the beginning that this is not based on anything. Um, in 2019, October, because I... I when you brought this up and everything, I watched it. I remember we talked about this. There was a Naples uh, 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 ultra that was arrested for killing an Inter Milan uh, supporter oh. uh, by running him over with an SUV. Oof. So uh, it was basically a, a little bit based. Like, I, maybe they, they and, and you think of it, it was released in 2020. It seems like they rushed it and kind of released it. It, mm. it seems a, a pretty like coincidence that they brought a movie out in 2020 after that happened in 2019 i mean this is probably gonna to shock you guys and the listeners but i've watched a lot of football violence films and movies over the over the years and they, they do fall from the excellent and in the excellent category i put the uk film the firm not to be mm. confused with the tom cruise one it's <laughs> probably one of my favorite films and id which is going to be a, a film that we do do this year, which I, I'll find out what streaming services it's on. I've got it on two different DVDs here. That's how much I like it, that I will give it to you guys if we can't find it in one of the streaming services. It's about Shadwell Town and an undercover cop that gets in too deep with, mm. a, with a gang. They're excellent. 
At the other end of this the scale, things like Green Street hooligans, I yeah. think, are is terrible. Yeah. And it's just eh, it's just it's, been it's, made. It's, to, more like, it's more like comical. Like Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I put this firmly in the middle. I I enjoyed a lot of this. I enjoyed a lot of elements of it. Now I, we won't spoil some of the main plot points in it for people that want to watch it. But I, as it was going through, I had said to Caitlin, who she was reading a book, but it, it was on, and she kind of glanced up every now and again. But I, I felt it was going to go to to one of two endings. I thought it, it's pretty obvious where this is yeah. going, and I was hoping for a bit of a shock. So I was a little bit disappointed in that. A, a few things I learned from the film. I would love if I ever get married again, which I, I'm not hoping to, Caitlin, if you're listening upstairs. Um, I think having football fans and ultras at a wedding, yeah, I think that elevates a wedding. Oh I think yeah, sh- football chants at weddings should be a thing. Yeah, yeah. Wed- weddings, one... funerals, all occasions, get some football fans chanting there. Yeah, I, that, that was actually the opening scene was quite nice. Yeah, yeah, it it, it was good. I mean, the, in short, it, it's a tale really about. Two guys, Sandro, who's one of the original ultras, and he's been through a lot. He's one of the guys that's banned now because of things that, that he has done. And a young kid called Angelo as well, that mm-hmm. without going into why, because you'll learn it in the film if you watch it, he kind of, Sandro feels kind of responsible for Angelo and kind of wants to protect him and keep him away from following the path that, that he followed. So it's the tale of those, those two, really. And it's following Naples as they're going to to try and win the the championship, and it's all building up to the final game of the season where they're going down to to Rome, and and various stuff like that. I I did find it interesting. Uh, like the 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 tifo painting, Zach. Is that how is that how Curva ran your tifo? Did you have the little minions doing it? And if if you went outside the lines, oh. Lo and behold, what what you did to those poor lads! <laughs> All the stories I can tell about people painting outside <laughs> the lights. Um, no, um, no, the, the, that was actually one of the more disappointing parts of the of the of the film is that the only kind of tifo that I remember them showing was like word banners. Where there were not a lot of big. I mean, there were other banners at some points or whatever, but there was no like big display, right? No, no, not that we saw. A lot of it was focused, though, in what was going on while they were displaying it and, like, trying to to get into other parts of the stadium. And the the, the banners do play a kind of part of the story as well. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it was just more I, focusing on the bigger... bigger I, liked how the, I liked how there was a huge significance to, to them making these banners that express messages that were important to them. I like, I like that. Mm. But... I, I thought it was good. I thought the fight scenes were quite realistic. Uh, I've seen some bad ones in, in, in films yeah, yeah. in the past as well. I, th- I think that was as well. I, basically, they said there's two laws that you follow if you're an ultra. Consistency and mentality. And I think like no matter whether we're looking at obviously violent ultras in this case or just ultras, football supporters things like Curva Collective, Southsiders, that's not into that side of things. That's what you want. You want consistency. You want folk to be there every week following the team and the mentality of, yep, we want to do what we can to help the team win. So I I thought that was good. And an ultra on his own is nobody. 
mm. which is one of the things that, that you can take from this as well. Overall, I was going between a 7 and an 8 out of 10 for it. And I was in the 8 category, but I, the ending, I was a bit disappointed. So I'm probably going to go a high 7, I, I think, for me. Oh, yeah, I didn't know we were giving numbers to this. Yeah, I, I, guess... I just thought I'd do it this week, start it. <laughs> yeah, I think 7's fair. I'll give it a 5. So you can check it out on Netflix. It's called Ultras. You can watch it in English dubbed or you can watch it in Italian with subtitles. Or you can watch it in English with English subtitles. That kind of would defeat the purpose, I think, a little bit as well. I enjoyed it. If you watch it, let us know what you think. But that was this week's TVOD. TVOD. I don't need a TV screen. I just stick the aerial into my skin and let the signal run through my veins. TVOD. So that was TVOD there. It's proved to be one of our most popular segments that we've done in recent years. Had a lot of fantastic feedback to it. So thanks to everybody that has done that. What we might do as well is... We'll maybe tweet out what we're going to be talking about in the next show to give you guys a, a chance to, to watch stuff as well. And if there's anything that that you've seen that you'd like us to watch and talk about or any of your favourite TV shows that's football related or documentaries or movies, get in touch and we'll, we'll see what we can do and we'll we'll try and get those covered for it as well. But let's move on now with the actual football chat. Sadly, we're not starting off with on-the-pitch chat. But for the rest of this part, we're just going to look at one of the the big football-related news stories that has been in Vancouver this week. And that was finally Bob Berarda got into court, got in front of a judge and pled guilty to charges that had been levelled against him. After delay, after delay, after delay, Barada was in court and he pled guilty to four charges, including three counts of sexual assault, one count of sexual touching while in a position of authority. Those four charges encompassed the the four women that had made allegations against him, so it was like one for each woman. Um... It spans a period of, of almost 20 years between January 1998 and 2008. So from pre-White Caps to his time at the White Caps as well. It felt at times that this was never going to get heard in court. And we'll delve a little bit into some of the stuff surrounding it for, for the rest of this part. What I will say though is from a White Caps perspective... We won't touch too much on that for now because the inquiry is still ongoing by MLS and really until that is complete, I don't want to kind of speculate too much on what the outcomes might be, but we'll we'll touch a little bit on that. But then as soon as we know the outcome of that inquiry, we'll certainly talk about the Whitecaps aspect of it a lot more. But let's just now just focus on the the Barada case in court. Steve... Were you surprised uh, at the guilty plea after all this time? I, I certainly was. I wasn't expecting it at all. Uh, yeah, at first I was surprised by it uh, because of the fact I've been delaying it. But then it made, kind of made sense too because uh, it p- was possible that... Because um, I think he didn't he change lawyers at one point too? 
I can't remember. This has I, genuinely I gone on for I so thought, long. I can't I remember. Sworn, I could have sworn one, of, and I could be wrong. I could have, I could have sworn one of the delays was because they changed lawyers, and that's why it got delayed again. Um, I'll check. I'll check. Make you sure. Might that. be right, actually. And so uh, my feeling is that maybe the lawyers kept telling him that you really don't have a chance. Like they, they have a solid evidence to to convict you on something, and it was about convincing him uh, to to plead guilty instead of dragging this out. Um, that's my feeling is that maybe that's why I kept getting delayed because he wasn't willing to accept it. And, and, and maybe it took some time before they got that. So, um, looking back initially, yes, hundred percent surprised, but looking back on it, probably not, mm. uh, not as much. That might be the reason why it was kept getting delayed. I mean, Zach was a surprise from you. I mean, there was more counts against him like than this, but I mean, it, it seems fairly obvious that there was some kind of bargaining involved so that he would plead guilty so that each of the women got a, a, a guilty verdict against him. And then the rest of the, ch the charges weren't heard. I, I mean, the great thing about this is the women now don't have to go into court and relive this and, and testify this, which I, I, I think it is fantastic. Yeah, a little bit like you, Michael. I was, I'm, I'm surprised actually that this has happened like so quickly after like whatever over a year of delays. Um, I, I, I was also surprised that yeah, that there was this. You know, there's a longer list of charges, and only four of them are were were heard or pled to or whatever. And yeah, it obviously sounds like that's because of you know the lawyers have been talking and you know figuring out how to move forward and. We don't know what all is totally agreed on and all that kind of stuff, maybe behind the scenes. But um, I, I agree with you also in that. Yeah, hopefully for well, hopefully for the the women involved that they feel um, the beginning of some justice and some maybe even a little bit of peace and healing. And um, yeah, and you know, I agree with you that they yeah, it's um, probably a relief for them that they don't have to. Uh, in regards to this go into a courtroom and relive or reshare or whatever you know all, all that happened um but it's yeah obviously this is um this is a kind of like a finally but also to the beginning of what's you know what's next and what's to come well that that's the thing and i i'll i'll say this now i don't understand the court system that much here i don't know how how things work if he was going to plead guilty, why he waited this long to do it, I don't know. But then this was the first time it was in front of a judge, so did it have to wait for for that? But then why all the delays? So, I mean, all, all that is like confusing to me. So if there's any legal people listening to this that can explain this to me, I, I genuinely would love to know how all that kind of plays out. So it's now there's pre-sentencing um, reports getting done on him and background info and various things like that. Actual sentencing is expected to be in April and we obviously don't want to speculate as to, to what that might be. You, you hope that justice will be finally served. You don't know what deals have maybe been done between the, the lawyers and and what the outcome of this will be. My main hope in it is that when it, whatever is handed down in April, the women feel is right, just, and they feel that they've got justice out of it. I, I don't know if you read the piece in the province, Zach, from JJ Adams. It's got some of the, the women involved talking about it. It's, it's a 
tough read, but it's a read I think everyone should do. And th there's relief, there's anger, and I mean, rightly, questions are going to be asked, they're getting asked now, but especially after sentencing, is there's other parties here. What's going to happen to them? And we're talking Whitecaps, we're talking Canada soccer, and that there's a lot of people that are going to have questions to answer in this. And whether we ever really get to the bottom of it, you have to hope that this inquiry that MLS are doing might get to some of the, the bottom of this, but there's there's definitely cases for these two parties to answer. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it definitely, like I said, it feels like in one sense, one one thing has finished, but it's kind of the beginning of the next chapter in this story. And... Uh, kind of like this last one where it was delayed for uh yeah 12 13 months uh who knows how long how many days weeks months that this the the next part will 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 take um but yeah i think mls's investigation that they're undergoing i think there's i think a clear understanding that uh, there needs to be considerable transparency when it comes to their their findings and uh, how the, how that's all you know what they found out and how how they're going to react to that or the steps and they're the, going to the take. The CSA are also doing their own in yeah. investigation. Yeah, I was going to say that too as well. The, the CSA it'll be interesting to to see what happens with that one. It feels like there's more trust in the one that MLS is doing. Uh, yeah. I think many people feel it's more you know less um, connected to the Whitecaps, even though MLS kind of you know technically owns the Whitecaps and you know whatever. Yeah, but, but who they've appointed are yes excellent at this yeah. they've been involved in a lot of these kind of cases and they're totally independent yeah. and like we should say the white caps have issued a statement on this as well which in short is basically they can't really say much until this inquiry is complete and i know some folk have said they were expecting more from that but like realistically they can't because they can't say anything that might prejudice this inquiry that's taking place so they have to wait until this is complete. And they have to, like, it, it's basically, like, it, it allows the investigation to go without, like, like basically against the uh, accused people in that investigation or the whatever, the people suspended currently, it, it kind of doesn't sully that investigation. That's the last thing you want to do because then you, you're, you're liable for lawsuits against the club or MLS if you say something about that going on afterwards. yeah because because yeah. people were saying oh they should just fire the four executives now and it's like well you can't until the inquiry is underway because yeah. what happens yeah. if the inquiry comes back and say well we don't think there was significant wrongdoing yeah. then it's like you've just fired them no at this point i don't think that could be the case i i'll be very surprised if the people that are currently not with the club come back um obviously we're, like you said like you said earlier we're not going to go too much into it yeah but it's 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 just a matter of making sure that everything runs smoothly. Um, I also want to, like, we need to give, like, I know the women that were involved in everything, but the, the kind of, like, the faces of the this whole investigation for the women, because a lot of the women didn't want to come forward publicly. But uh, Eden and uh, Kara, those are the two public faces, and uh, I want to really commend them for all the stuff they've done over the years and stuff like that. And and Kara put, put out a blog recently, and it was yeah. really, really well written, and the way she was like um, felt uh, down and everything like that, and the people that were able to lift her up after she hit like published, like that that, that was amazing. A great, 
group. Also, Ma- Matthew Hall from The Guardian, who took th- these stories and took it to a much wider audience as well yeah. and uh-huh. really turned the heat up. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think there was one. I don't know if you used, I don't think you mentioned. Is it, Mal, is it Mallory Enoch? Is that the right name? I'm not that sure. Name's not coming up. The, but the 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 individual who um, shared her story about Hubert Busby. Right. Right. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. She also. She also. I think uh, has been a catalyst for this happening. Right. Because yeah. without. Without, it, it, her, it, it, without her sharing further details of her story, MLS would not have gotten involved. And I think things wouldn't... Well, yes, because then that was in the MLS era at that yeah. point. Yeah. And also, it, it also, because because it was also a um, a, a catalyst from all the stuff that was happening in, in, in the Women's League uh, this year. Yeah. And, and it was another thing on top of that. So at that point, MLS couldn't say, we're not involved. They had to be involved and they had to do something about it because it was another story that came up. Yeah, it's it's just been a horrible time in women's soccer with all these allegations coming out and there was more again recently about other stuff and it's great that this is all coming out and you have safe sport now and a lot better, better procedures in place that hopefully this will start to come out of the women's game. There's always going to be some bad characters that's involved and stories will come out from this case and this point of view it looks like hopefully we're getting to the end of it from uh, getting justice and and getting answers and and getting just getting what these women deserve point of view but they they still have to then live with what happened for the the rest of their lives and the impact that it's had on them but at least that's moved forward and we'll just wait now for for sentencing in april for Barada and then the outcome of the inquiries and then I guess see where that leaves us, where it leaves the, the people that were running the Whitecaps and Canada Soccer at that time as well and we'll address a lot more of that there. It's never an easy subject to, to talk about. It's something we wish we didn't have to talk about but it's an important thing. We felt it had to be our our, our main lead on the, the show in talking about the football aspect We'll move on to slightly happier topics now for for the rest of the show. And we'll be back looking at the other Whitecaps news of the week after this. Hi, I'm Vanni Sartini and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Desperate as me, what you give is what you give. 
Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for February. English mod band, I, I guess you would call them, The Jam. That was their song Start, their 11th UK single, released in 1980. And it was their second number one. Based on, on the riff from the Beatles' Taxman song, it's a song about love of sorts. And I've played that because it's our special Valentine's Weekend show. Love is in the air here at, at AFTN. And we love you, our listeners, and we hope you love us back. Uh, but I, I thought we'll, we'll have a love theme over the remaining three parts, music-wise, some of the segments that, that we've got as well. It's all going to be focused on love. And I, I, I think we all love football. We'll, we'll get into to specifically why we love it later on in the show. But what I did was I, I got a chance to ask a, a few of the, the Whitecaps guys just about their love of the game. What is it about football that they love so much? What was it that made them want football to be their chosen career? So let's kick things off with the thoughts of to St Ricketts. It must be What is it about football that excites you, that made it want to be your career, that makes you still want it to, to be your career? What is it about football that you love so much? Just the camaraderie, you know, like just the teamwork, just a group of players from all across the world that speak different languages coming together to accomplish one goal, you know, and when that goal is accomplished, it, it can ignite a community, you know, the the community impact of a, of, a, of a team and an organization like this is, is huge. You know, being in the community department, we're helping people's lives. You know, we're making people's lives better. And there's not many jobs in this world that you know, if you do it right, you're going to make someone's life better. And, you know, that's, that's the beauty of this game. You know, it's the world sport for a reason. So when you were a kid, when did you know, look, I love this game? What, what ignited that first passion in you? I think it was just watching my brothers play, you know. Um, I never got to play till I was, I never got to play organized soccer till I was 13. So up to that point, I was, my brothers were babysitting me. I'd be tagging along to their games and I'd always just be on the side watching, you know, with the fans, you know. I became a fan before I even started playing, you know. And just watching my brothers, seeing them, you know, help our family out through getting scholarships and stuff like that. I just realized, like, you know, I can really help my family and, and improve our lives, which, you know, we grew up modest at best through a sport, you know. So and soccer was that sport. To St. Ricketts there, talking about his love of football, his love of the game, his passion for the game this Valentine's weekend. And that brings us nicely 
to this week's Whitecaps News of the Week because Toss found himself on the score sheet. We, we brought you the interview with Toss a, a couple of shows ago and he was talking about being in the Whitecaps training camp uh, as a trialist and wanting to show that he, he's worthy of a, an MLS roster spot. So good luck to Toss with getting that contract. He was on the sidelines for the San Diego game though with a, a ice pack on his his leg. So fingers crossed it's nothing too bad and it's not going to maybe derail things for him. But yeah, we'll have to see how that plays out. We'll have a quick look over the three of them in this part. The, the action got underway last Saturday with a two-all draw with a club Tijuana 11. It was kind of a mixture of first team and kind of reserve guys. Full strength, pretty much Whitecaps team out in the first half. More of the fringe guys coming on in the second. There was pluses and minuses to take from this one. Two goals, obviously the pluses. Leo Wusu got the Whitecaps off to a good start in the first half. And then Toss Ricketts got a goal in the second half. Thomas Hassal saved a penalty. Um, chance to get on the, the park again and get some chemistry going with the lads. That, that was all the, all the pluses. Kyle has also joined the team now in San Diego and he's been speaking about looking forward to, to the, the Columbus game, which of course is away from home. So he can definitely play in that one. Fingers crossed he can get his work visa sorted out, as we talked about in the last show, to, to play in the, the home opener against New York City at the start of, of March. But some positives from from that first game, guys. Getting into early, getting a couple of goals. Yeah, it's good to see them get some goals. Uh, I know a Wilson goal was really nice. I think it was set up by Gold. Um, and and it's just really getting the rhythm, and uh, especially the first game of the season. And I think they were delayed getting over to San Diego, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Well, they were going to uh, go down earlier than they did. Yeah. And then they stayed another week here in Vancouver again. No, the, they were delayed. I'm, I'm talking about delayed uh, at the airport. Oh, at the airport. Oh, yeah. 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 So they were delayed getting in there. So maybe they didn't have enough time. But overall, good opening game. You want to get some goals. You want to, like, but you kind of don't want to give up goals as well. I think that's more important. And I think that helped them out in the next game. Well, the, the goals that they did give up, Zach, were in the second half. And that was when they had more of the, the fringe, the second kind of string on the pitch. I mean, defensively, they, they've been playing really well. And we'll, we'll come to that in a sec when we talk about the other games. But good to get on the pitch. It's all about chemistry, really, at this point. But it's also all about Vanny trying out this new formation that he wants to try, which seems to be 3-1-4-2. Yeah, a, a different take than the 3-4-1-2. And a couple of wing-backs being what is listed as the actual things as opposed to just midfielders. He wants them to be actual wing-backs. Yeah, was this the game where, um, this might not, I'm going to be confusing the games, but is this the game where Brown sat on the bench and uh, someone else started? Who started? No, that was the second game because second Brown game. played in the first game and right. picked up a knock. Oh, okay. Um, no, I, I'm, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like what both of you guys are saying, this is about getting you know into rhythm and uh, you can never get like too bent out of shape about preseason results. I mean, unless you get like smashed or something. Um, so I don't think you can get too high or too too low on too low on these things because you're right. You you need to be getting out there. And you need to be finding form and you know, match fitness and chemistry and all that kind of stuff. And I think these uh, that's what we've seen. I think in the preseason from from Vancouver so far. 
uh, agree with you. Uso's goal was well taken. Um, and uh, yeah, I think Toss will be really happy to put his name on the score sheet and uh, continue to try and stake his claim in the, in the first team squad, which is uh, his desire, as we heard in your interview a week or two ago, Michael. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see uh, if, because to me, the one thing is that the, the formation, I thought that I thought he was going to go for a bit of a, actually had come more of a different formation, right? This just feels like a little bit, not it's, as it's, different it's as I thought. It's very samey, yeah. really. I thought it would. I thought it would I be, be more four like, at the back or something. Yeah, I thought it'd be more like a four-two-three-one or something. Which again, it, it's not good or bad or anything. It just it, it's interesting to see that it's so close to the primary one. Well, we're going to have Vanny on the show next week, so we'll, we'll talk to him about that. Steve, do you like a three-one-four-two? I I quite like it with it. with who we've got personnel-wise. I think it works quite good. Yeah, it's a really attacking form, and it kind of makes, I think, the the biggest thing, it probably makes Dahomey a little bit more comfortable mm-hmm. in that position. Uh, but there's still, those wingbacks are going to have to be up and down the field. Yeah, uh, they have, have to, to put in a hell of a defensive shift. Yeah, so it's going to be, it's even especially with that one in the middle there. But yeah, it's going it, to, I think this also gives a chance to put half a Vite and Gold on the, on the, um, on the, on the field at the same time as well. In certain, again, in certain games because you don't want either one of them playing too far back either. Now, the great thing that seems to have come from the three-one-four-two is that that first game, two goals were, were obviously given up. In the remaining two games that we've had so far, which was uh, against New Eng- New Mexico United on Wednesday, and then this weekend on on Saturday against San Diego Loyal, no no goals given up at all in those two games. Now, that second pre-season game, a lot of people have said, oh, I wish there were streams, and oh, why is there not streams? We should be watching these games. I say just be thankful, because from watching the highlights, I don't think you want to sit through 90 minutes of that game because the highlights were tough to watch. That wasn't a, a good advert for the team, and there, there certainly were maybe some concerns coming out of it I, I I think two plus minutes of highlights is what we got from this game and in that two plus minutes there was very little action there was a few replays of, of various incidents very little goal threat very little to excite really to, to be totally honest Godoy hit the post with a, a shot from a corner the caps threatened a little the positive though was that New Mexico didn't get a sniff. They didn't have anything at all going. So I think defensively, this is the big, big positive to take from these three games so far is we're looking good defensively and I think we need to if we want to keep in the in the frame this year, guys. Yeah, I mean, when you don't have a Maxime Crippot to, 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 to save you in some games, you need to be defensively more defensively solid as a, an entire team. And so, yeah, I think that is a positive they can take from the, the preseason. So, Steve, on the defensive side, they've been trying a, a variety of who's going to be in the, that back three. Yeah. And obviously we haven't seen the games per se, just the highlights that kind of go with it. I, I'm still thinking that we're looking at our first choice as being Blackman, Godoy and, and Jungwirth. Nothing 
I assume has changed my mind on that. I mean, what what about yourself? We've talked about this a couple of times, but anything for, you're thinking different? No, for me, it's actually uh, I would I would have Youngworth all all coming off the bench, and I would have Ranko as my number one. If, if everybody's on the roster currently, is still on the roster. If it's it's Godoy, uh, Blackman, and Ranko, I I feel like you need a little bit more of a physical presence uh, with Ranko. And that allows guys like Godoy and Blackman to play, not be forced to play in that role. I think you need, because a lot of teams are going to come with that big number nine that they have to play up against. And I think Ranko fits against that. Yeah, assuming everything's equal and everyone's like fit. Because and... he's mixed it up over these three games as well. So it's kind of hard to tell really what he has in mind. Yeah, that's, that's true. I, I think in an ideal world, I would, I would like to see Godoy with Ranko and and Youngworth. I think, not Blackman. Uh, well, I I haven't seen enough of Blackman to whatever you know because he can also play out wide, right? He can be one of the. Oh yeah, I mean he's a right back. Yeah, so turned centre back really. But he might not be a wing back. And no, that, I don't. That, that I don't know. Him from being that position. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he seems to think he can do that, but I'm not sure. Youngworth is more sentimental pick. I think over time, probably I'll say, oh yeah, Blackman should be there because he's younger and has better pace, or you know those kinds of things. But for the moment, I I, I still would probably have Youngworth higher up the the depth chart based on just the things I've seen, and that, that'll change obviously really quickly here. Well, yeah, I, 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 me, I, I think it's going to get young, a lot of rotation. I think Youngworth is by the second game when Godoy is down with an injury I think you'll probably see Youngworth in the lineup anyways well if Godoy is still here because the there was murmurs came out this week the from various uh, Argentine sources which anything that comes out from South America you do have to take with a big pinch of salt because there's a lot of agents working stuff and media working stuff but there's rumours the Argentine side Tigre are wanting to bring Eric Godoy back. He started his career there in 2012. I still like Eric Godoy. I think he is. If everyone was up to speed and everyone was fully fit, probably our best centre-back. That concern about whether he can stay healthy, if we could get a good deal for him, it might be worth flipping him. But I, I don't know how much there is in these rumours. But if you are going to lose him just before the season starts, it's not ideal. But at least we know we do have four, potentially five, if you include Javain Brown, guys that that can play the centre-back role. So it's maybe not too, too big a loss, Steve. Yeah, you're right there. Mermilios from Argentine or anywhere in South America do happen regularly. I remember when I used to like track that kind of stuff and it would just be constant. Um, it's like It feels like that the... The the soccer the football reporters have something to need something to do so it always seemed to be something connected uh, the, for a while there when the especially after the Alfonso Davies sale there was a lot of murmurs about uh, um, players coming to Vancouver because they had money uh, didn't happen that well but uh, still there were a lot of people using agents using Vancouver as a destination because they wanted somebody else to um, pay for them um, so it's I think. I think the Godoy, I th- if they can get something out of it, I think it might be a worthwhile. Um, he just hasn't proven that he can be healthy enough. I can't remember what he did in his first year, but it seems like every year there's a, like a health concern, especially the last two. And I think there might be a time to 
uh, cut bait and you know, revamp and try to bring somebody else in. Well, if he's healthy just now, it's also a good time to possibly move him on. Yeah, the thing is, Zach, as well, that, that you've got guys like Christian Campagna, who's always, he's kind of been away at university. He's been in the, the Canada national team training camps as one of the training players that, that they bring in regularly. He's been part of the under three setup. He could be a guy you could look to bring in as another centre-back option as well. I'm expecting him fully to be on the under-23 side with his brother Matteo, but it's not the end of the world, really, if Godoy moved on. It's also not the end of the world if he stays, because I think he's a fantastic centre-back. And if he can stay healthy, I think he's massive for us this year. Yeah, I agree with you on Godoy. And also, I, I don't see them really moving him unless they get recoup some of what they paid for him. Yeah. Um, which might be might be easy, but my perception is that might, that might be difficult in this moment. Um, I, I wouldn't envisage them doing a loan in the the worry that he breaks down when he's there, yeah. and then it's like you get him back again. Yeah, and I can't remember how long his deal is for, like how many more years they have him or options or whatever. Probably like, one with one. Yeah, because did you want to really send him out? Yeah, I I think if they're if they're gonna. If he's not going to play in Vancouver this year, again barring injury, barring injury, he's going to be playing somewhere else. They'd probably much prefer to sell him and recoup as much of, if not make potentially a profit. Although based on his injury, I doubt they'd make a profit. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of Carpena, uh, which I probably just butchered the pronunciation of, it, that would be nice. It would be nice to see. It's always nice to see young players um, make the breakthrough. Um, it's nice also to have brothers on on the team. I, I genuinely thought at one point we'd have the Capania brothers, the Baldissimo brothers, the Chung brothers, and it's not quite worked out that way. Anybody know about uh, Joel Harrison and what his update is? No, actually, I haven't heard from I, him for a while because we, we took him to take his MLS rights and then he wanted to go back to university. And I think, and I, but I think, uh, I, I, I'm assuming that he's probably going to spend the whole rest of the year because they have to graduate. I'm not sure. Because he's been there for two or three years or four years now. Yeah. So, I mean, this could be his final year there, potentially. And then I don't know if they get an extra year because of any COVID stuff that was lost or whatever. So, I would fully expect to see Harrison either with the the Whitecats under-23s or possibly play in League One BC as well. Because I I, I know he was going to come back and play for TSS in their final uh, USL season that that they had, but then decided to, to stay out in Michigan where he was and and do some summer work work at school so that that didn't happen so I'm pretty sure we will see him playing this year but after that New England game on Wednesday Vanny said after it that they need to work on how to be more effective when they're on the ball very very much so from what those highlights showed he said there was too much distance between the players. He wants them to be better organised and aggressive when, when not on the ball. And I think we'll, we'll see that more as they get more comfortable with the, the formation and stuff. And I, I think we we definitely saw that in the third game against San Diego Loyal on Saturday. Because just watching the highlights from that, it seemed to be all... Whitecaps, they were dominant, they were creating a number of chances, just the finishing wasn't there. They came away with a 1-0 win in the end, and it was their 
their draft pick, Aguilar, who we talked about in the, the last show that got the winning goal. Lovely cross in from, from Gooty, nice finish from Aguilar as well. He seems to have really impressed Vanny. I'll ask him about that when, when we chat next week, but it, it's great to see these young guys rise to the occasion and try and, and earn themselves a contract, but... This was a much better performance against a good San Diego team. There was fans in attendance at the stadium. And overall, Steve, I think a lot of positives to be taken from the chances that they're creating. They just need to start getting their shooting boots on and finishing some of them. And I think that's, that comes with uh, getting into the rhythm of the, of the season and everything like that. Um, and also with the experimentation of formation, that probably has a little bit to do with it. Um, so it, I think the... They definitely need to get, they need to score more than they did last year, especially to start off the season. Uh, while the, you know, Thomas Asal and, and the back line get some chemistry going and, and get some, because uh, that will take time as well. Uh, the good thing is about the back line is that every, almost everybody there this year is, is uh, last year is back this year, except for Blackman and mm-hmm. with the addition of him. So it's, that's a positive. And then again, I know we talked about the back line and we talk about attack. For me, the biggest thing is that midfield, and they need to solidify that because that will help the attack and it will help the defending as well. Yeah, I'd still like to see another addition in there, although we still haven't really got to see Alejandria and Vite work together and what what they can bring. But I mean, it's positive signs, Zach. They are creating chances. They're, They're getting there. Kava, though, still is looking for his goal. Hasn't scored now. For over half a year, I think we're coming up for about eight months since, since his last goal. And of course, we should say that Cava didn't play in that third game against San Diego because he seems to have some kind of a, a, a knock of some kind. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how, how if Cava's club form continues like this, how much longer does he is he chosen by John Herdman? The, the thing he's got going for him, though, is Herdman knows him and he knows what he's done at national team level and what he brings to the camp and the experience but ultimately it's about putting the ball in the back of the net yes but you also you like you need to be informed right like yeah especially if we're going to a world cup you you take your informed players mike michael if you could not use the word if i'd appreciate that (laughs) when when there's still one more pre-season game that's going to take place in San Diego. That's going to take place on Wednesday in LA with a, a scrimmage against the, the Galaxy before they fly home to Vancouver on Thursday. And then next Saturday, a BC place, February the 19th, uh, an inter-squad game between the MLS squad and the MLS Next Pro squad. So we'll, we'll get our first chance to have a little look at some of the guys that might be on that roster. So you're going to be looking at basically the fringe MLS guys the draft picks, guys from the under-23 team. And I'm interested to see what other faces we might might see in there, Zach. Yeah, I was going to say, the roster hasn't been announced. <laughs> For the, no, nothing's yeah. been announced. The head right. coach still officially hasn't been announced as Dazzle, but it's going to be Dazzle. Maybe right. that's maybe that gets announced at the game. That's yes. like a thing. Um, the, uh, the, the biggest thing for me about the inter-squad game is if the, if the, if the, if the MLS side stumbles... It doesn't put him away. Uh, that 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 could be a little bit uh, hairy in that yeah, situation. That, that's not a confidence booster going into the season for how, you. 
how many people are they letting into that? It's like a limited number, right? It's a limited number. I think it was only four sections that were getting opened up from what I read on Ticketmaster, but I guess so if they're gonna, scope, they can always open more if there's more demand. So they're going to cram people into four sections? That's what I'm not sure. <laughs> that um, doesn't I, sound wise. Yeah, well, I don't know. Things look like they might get lifted this coming week anyway in general, so I, I don't think it, it's probably going to play into it. But yeah, hopefully, folk get out. It looks like it's going to be a. It's good just going to feel awkward, right? You know, when you're yeah. moving back into to normal, it feels awkward. Yeah, the initial thing, it's just taking that that giant leap, really, to to move into it, and then it's just going to feel normal again. I I need to get there. I'm not quite there yet yet myself. But it, it should be a good day if anyone hasn't seen this yet. There's going to be the the intra squad game. There, or I guess inter-squad is what we're going to be calling it because it's the, the two tif- different teams now. Um, there's also going to be a Q&A with Vanny Sartini and Axel Schuster. The new away jersey is going to be available. I don't know if it's getting unveiled there or if they're going to unveil it during the week, but it's going to be available to purchase there as well. And it's just going to be good and the season's going to be all that that closer. So, looking forward to it. If you... Haven't got your tickets yet. Season ticket holders got the chance to get them on Thursday onwards. And it's a general sale on Ticketmaster from Monday. Tickets are free. I'm pretty sure Ticketmaster will have some fees or something probably stuck in there as well, knowing what they're like. But yeah, head along to that next weekend. We'll we'll be there taking it in and we'll give you a bit of feedback on the next show about that. But that's pretty much been it for the, the Whitecaps news this week. We talked a, a lot there about the the backline, and they've been good. Two games with clean sheets, two goals given up over the three games altogether. It, it's looking good. Something to certainly build on, the big positive. Steve mentioned about the need to score more goals th- this season. If we can keep the ball out of the net, we maybe don't have to score more goals. I will gladly take 1-0 wins for every single game. That might not go down well with some from an entertainment point of view. I don't care. It's all about the three points. But one of the guys that I think is going to be a very key part of the the defence this year is Florian Jungwert. I I love the guy. He is great on the pitch with the passion that he brings and the fight that he brings. And off the pitch, he's just a fun guy to chat to and he brings a special presence to the locker room. So I got a chance to ask Flo this week as well, just about what sparked his love of football. What is it about the game that he loves so much? Here's what he had to tell me. It must be love, love, love. Um, well, first time I discovered it. I started, I was five. That was really bad. So I was lucky, I, I grew pretty quick, so I was the tallest guy, and it was fun, because I just stomped over everyone. And that was the first time that I fell in love with the game, and yeah, I mean, it's just everything about the game. You know, it's like the passion, the, the pure purity of it, and you know, when you find something where there's so much love for, and you can uh, execute it every day, nothing better than that. It must be love. Florian Jungewert there just chatting about his passion and his love for football because it is Valentine's weekend. 
lot of love in the air. And of course, as football fans, some players we love, some players we don't love. But when they're with us, we love them. When they're not with us, we tend not to love them so much. And I, I feel the tide switching towards former goalkeeper, player of the year with the Whitecaps last year, Maxime Cripot. It's kind of felt a, a year of departures in, in many ways for the, the Whitecaps so far. And it, it all started with it, the trading of Max Cripot to LAFC. I got a chance to, to finally chat with Max this week uh, on an LAFC media call. First time I've got to speak to him since he left Vancouver. Wrote an article about it midweek, which had some mixed reactions. We'll hear from the man himself, though, after this. Hi, I'm Brian White, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, keeping our love theme going, it's a song from 1979, English punk band The Damned, that was Love Song. Reached number 20 in the UK charts and is definitely one of my favourite songs by the band. Was lucky enough to see them on their 40th anniversary tour here at the Commodore. That was a fantastic gig, really, really enjoyed that one. And we're going to continue our chats about the love of football now with a man that we loved in his time at the Whitecaps. He has moved on to pastures new, headed over to Scotland with St Johnston. That man, of course, is Theo Bear. If I was to say to you, Theo, what is it about the game of football that you love? What attracted you to the game in the first place? Why do you love playing it? Why did you want to make this your career? Yeah, I mean, when I was a young boy, I used to watch my sisters play um, constantly. I'd always want to go to their games, even to their practices. I'd try to practice with them as a three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old kid. Um I, every time at halftime, I'd run onto the field and start kicking the ball at the net. I used to watch the Joko Benito videos on, on YouTube, and that really inspired me as well. But the real thing that got me is being able to watch um, players on TV and having crowds chant their name. That was the thing that I told my dad when I was younger. I said, Dad, you know, one day I want to be in a stadium big like that, and I want a crowd chanting my name. Um, and it's not about the, the glory or anything. It's about the passion of the game. I'm, I'm a very competitive person. I love to compete. I love uh, 
for example, I love 5v5 games and training because I just love winning those. I love being able to express myself on the field. And I think that football is, is somewhat an art. It's, a, it's my way of expressing myself. And um, the older I'm getting, the more I, I kind of flow easier. I'm, I'm, uh, I feel like as a young boy, you have nothing to worry about. So you just play and you play to the best of your ability. And you get to this little awkward stage of I need to impress the coach. I need to do exactly what the coach says. I need to, and you kind of lose that expressiveness a little bit. Some guys don't, and th those guys are, are are special and lucky. But uh, I feel like I lost my way a little bit, just just for a little bit. And uh, now I feel like I can express myself a little bit more. And uh, yeah, honestly, that that love is just for for the passion for for the game, um, for the competitiveness of the game, for the the, the ability to express myself and and also for the opportunity to represent my country canada is is a, is a special special place and i i want to be able to do that for for the the rest of my career so um i need to get back in there and i'll i'll do anything i can to it must be love love Theo Bear there, talking about his love of football, the love of the game. Theo, of course, has departed, as I mentioned, over to Scotland with St Johnston. He got to make his debut on Tuesday, getting just over half an hour in a 2-1 loss for St Johnston against St Mirren. Theo didn't play this weekend because unfortunately St Johnston had got knocked out in a giant cup shock in the last round to five-side Kelty Hearts, so... Keeping our fingers crossed that, that Theo can get on the score sheet, get his first goal for St. Johnson soon. Didn't really get much of a, a, a sniff in, in that game on Tuesday night. I, I watched that game and it was just great to, to see him on the pitch so soon. It's amazing how quick they managed to get the visa done though over there and managed to get him over there. Doesn't seem to be the same problems in Scotland getting visas as it is in, in Canada. But Theo Bear, of course, has departed as has Max Cripeau. And we, we've talked about Max a lot in the last couple of shows, so we won't go in, into that too much. But this week, Max did his first media down in LA as an LAFC player, joining up with the black and gold from the Canadian national team camp. Finally got a couple of training sessions under his belt uh, and spoke to media early this week. Got a chance to, to jump on the call with a, a few others as well. Here's some selected highlights from that call, just what Max had to say about his trade, looking forward to his new life in LAFC, linking up with his former head coach here, Mark DeSantis, and a few more things as well. Uh, so, uh, Max, uh, this change, uh, does it come at a, at a right moment in your, in your life after uh, these seasons in Montreal and uh, Vancouver, moving to LA? Yeah, honestly, uh, I was ready for that new chapter with the organization who, uh, you know, who has the mindset of winning. And even though it, it's five years in the league, they have that winning mentality and the culture of winning within uh, within the organization and their fans. So uh, it's a fantastic timing, you know. Uh, there was some great additions in the off season, and so now it's about to, to glue everything together and get ready for uh, for that uh, campaign. When we last spoke, so um. 
early to mid-December. We were looking ahead to the, the season that was coming up in Vancouver. You, you were excited for that. What's the timescale been like in this move for you? How did everything play out? And how pleased were you that you could actually get a resolution so quickly before heading into the national team camp? Yeah, we spoke before. Uh, hi, Mike. You're, you're well, honestly. Uh, but yeah, we spoke before uh, Christmas, and then there was uh, some some stuff going on as as well in Vancouver before my move here to to LA. Uh, and so uh, the best fit for for me for my career and uh, and for what I want to to achieve, uh, you know, uh, LA was interested. And uh, to be honest, that was the the best solution for me for my career uh, to develop as as a goalkeeper and to. Uh, to, to gain a lot of experience in that league. That was the next step for for me. This is how I see it. And you're reunited with Mark, strangely down there. I think a year ago, if we spoke, that that would have been a strange thing for us to, to think about here in Vancouver. But did you get a chance to speak to him at all before the move about what to expect in LA? Or did you just kind of go ahead with this, knowing from what you've seen from being down there at away games and stuff? Oh, I, you know, I've... I came here to, to LA 2019 on the back and then 2021, uh, which were which was amazing uh, experiences in terms of, of being in the opposition uh, locker room where uh, the fans that brought the energy to the bank and the atmosphere is a proper football one. And so um, that w- that's the only experience that I had in the, at the LAFC before. Uh, but yeah, I did spoke to Mark uh, maybe once or twice uh, just before things got in, in movement before or the trade that was uh, that was the smooth uh, transitions when you look at the Max Cripo that came to Vancouver in 2019 and the player that you are now that that's come to LA in 2022 how have you seen your growth in the last 3 years uh, of course playing games there's no secret as a goalkeeper uh will work on your craft and will make your yourself with with uh will make yourself better as a goalkeeper and a person where you have uh experience with situations that you have no idea how to deal with without playing so it's for a goalkeeper there's no secret to be honest at some point you you need to go and and play a full season which my chance was in uh, ottawa back in 2018 and then with vancouver uh, i had the opportunity to to do it but in the mls within the league and so um the fact that I, I was able to play in Vancouver helped me a lot to to understand where I was, what I can improve in my game, and uh, what's next for for me. Uh, I wanted to ask about your uh, personal uh, objectives. Uh, obviously, you've been talking about how this move was uh, important for your your development, but uh, do you see yourself as as someone who wants to uh, stay with LAFC? hopefully be a successful team, you know, successful player for a long time? Or are you looking uh, for this to be part of your journey and then, you know, maybe you're going to be going elsewhere in the future? I see myself here for uh, for the years to come, not to be honest. Uh, I'm going on 28th in May. And so uh, to be fair, my goal is to is to be uh, one of the guys that can bring the club to to uh, into the playoffs and fight for silverwares every single year. You know, be that uh, a, a, a core group of guys for the, for the organization that can make it happen. You know, uh, and so uh, you've mentioned uh, how do I see my my stay? Well, um, if I, I'm really honest with you, uh, you know, sometimes I keep my secret, but I'll be honest. Where uh, I want to be here uh, for for the club to to make something great, to write history. 
And then if uh, there's an opportunity overseas in one, two, three, five years, and it makes sense for everybody, of course, I mean, uh, to play European competition is, is uh, the dream of pretty much every athlete. But my focus is here at LAFC for the years to come. So Max Crippo there just chatting about a, a number of things uh, about his trade and looking forward to life in LAFC. Now, many of you will have seen the article I, I wrote coming out of that th- this week on AFTN. And I, I, I don't know, Zach, maybe naively, I didn't quite see the tide turning so fast against Max as it did when that interview came out. A lot of people were not happy with his comments. They weren't happy with what they saw as digs at the Whitecaps and also about the, the supporters here in, in Vancouver. Uh, yeah, I read your article. I thought it was a really quality, Michael, as usual. Uh, I mean, what, what, what do people like ex- expect? I mean, his comments were essentially, look, I want to go to a team that is, is more focused on winning. And everyone's like, well, look at the standings last year. Yeah. It's like, but no, look at like, Look at the standings over the last four years, you know, that or whatever. They had a bad season. Yeah. And and look at how they've invested in their squad, how they've built a stadium, how they've built a culture out of out of the ashes, out of the embers that was the goats, that was Chivas USA. Um, and they they've built it from something that was really not good into something that's pretty quality. And in terms of the fan stuff, yeah, he was commenting on the quality of uh, the quality of his experience being there, you know, games in LA, where the the the, the support in the in the supporters' end is is significant, and so yeah, he, and, he used the phrase proper football atmosphere, and I yeah. think that's what rubbed some fans up the wrong way because they took that to mean that they're saying they don't have that here. That's why I wanted to include that in the show this week so folk could hear the, the context of it. It may yeah. not change people's opinion of what he said, though, to, to be honest. Yeah. But you've got to remember as well, he was on an LAFC media call. So yeah. he's there to big up LAFC yeah. and be excited about being part of that. And and, and just to, the, the fact that he's mentioning a proper football atmosphere, the problem here is that the the supporters would like to do something but they're they're kind of hand hand strong. So yeah, you can't have the the tifo going up to the ceiling and all the stuff that they do well, and, and well, smoke and, and stuff there's like been that. General admission just got introduced and then COVID yeah. hit and there's all those kind of things. There there is rigging behind the behind the the the, the GA section. If it's I don't even know if it's still a GA section or not. I hope I hope it is for the supporters' mm. sake. But but if you look um, at like the smoke and stuff like that and that kind of yeah. stuff, the, the, oh yeah, like you guys are hamstrung on on being able yeah. to do this, some of that stuff. So it's not always like although he's saying proper football atmosphere, that's because they they have the ability to do that. Sometimes yeah. you don't have the ability some places. Yeah, the the phrase which you mentioned there, Zach, was he he talked about LAFC have a winning mentality. And he wants to win silverware with them. He wants to stay there for a number of years. And if a deal comes along to take him to Europe, yeah, he'd love to go to Europe. He says that's that's the dream. That's the dream of all young players or most young players to, to go and play in Europe. And I, I think 
because of how he's talked about that, it goes against the whole, I wanted out for personal reasons, and there was there was issues that meant I couldn't come back to Vancouver. So, folk are like, it doesn't quite align with, with that message that was coming out earlier, and I guess we'll never really get to the bottom of it, but... Yeah, yeah that, that's, unless... that's, the, that's the part that muddles everything up. Yeah. The fact that they came up with that first. Yeah, because because it's, if Max doesn't clear the air on that, then people are always going to think it's because he wanted more money, or because uh, or, or because yeah, he didn't he didn't like you know Vancouver's like approach to ambition or like didn't like their ambition, uh, and so. I mean, you can certainly read that he feels we're never going to win anything here, whereas LAFC at least has a chance of, of winning it and. Like, if you have to say which one of those two teams is more likely to win an MLS Cup, it's LAFC. Yeah, and the which, thing is, I, I didn't even, I personally wouldn't even have a problem if he said that. I don't know why that came out the way it did. Like, if he had just come out with, I, I just feel like I, I need to go somewhere where they're, they're putting, investing more. He should be able to say that. I don't, I don't see why he shouldn't be able to. I think maybe, maybe the again speculation corner on my side, whatever you want to say, but maybe they said. If you act nice on your way out, we'll trade you wherever you want to go or something mm. like that. Well, yeah, I, 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 my, I really... my headline may not have helped with that as well. I tweaked my headline a little bit as well when I saw some of the hostility that Max was getting. Uh, to me, to me, and I don't know anything, to me it's he didn't like how Mark DeSantos was treated. That, 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 that's, that's my... How yeah. I read the situation, I mean, which might be totally wrong. We spoke a little bit wrong. about it when we we chatted yeah. in December, and I, like I, as I said to him in the interview, I said when we spoke in December, you were talking about being excited here for for next season, but he did say, yeah, there was already things in Vancouver before that, and you think, hmm, when if that is it? Now, of course, he is now reunited with Mark in LA. It's been murmured for about a month now, but it was only finally. Uh, I, I, announced for some reason that this week, but Mark DeSantis has gone back to, to LAFC as assistant coach. The The new head coach there, Steve uh, Chirondolo, said that he'd brought Mark in because of that MLS experience. And just by looking at Mark's Instagram, he seems to be loving life down there and he's enthused by it. And it's, it's a strange one though. It feels like a backward step for him. I don't quite quite see why he's done it. I could see him going to a club where you're learning under an experienced head coach like a Bob Bradley, even if you went to New England under Bruce Arena, but this just seems weird. I don't I don't think this was Mark DeSantis's first choice. Let's put it like that. Well, he spoke uh, in another podcast about he had the chance to go to Atletico Ottawa and he turned them down, so yeah, but but that that obviously wasn't his first choice either. I mean, I I know I know some of his ideals, and this doesn't this doesn't really. I'm a little surprised by this. Now, uh, we'll see what comes of it, and we'll see uh, what opportunities it maybe opens some opens him up to, or or whatever. But um, yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm at least a little bit surprised. Now, LAFC, their defense has improved considerably. That this week because you, you've got Max Crippo already and then they added the, the versatile MLS uh, veteran really Ryan Hollingshead from, from Dallas on Thursday which I think is an excellent uh, addition for them and Max being there as well is going to help take this team 
to, to a, a different level from last season, I think. And Chirandolo was asked why he made the, the move for Max. And I'll, I'll just read what he said as opposed to playing it. He said, Max has proved that over the last three seasons, he's one of the top keepers in this league. On top of that, his personality and character are things we've been looking for as well. He's a great communicator, a great guy. He brings a lot of energy on a daily basis, which is something we're trying to inject in this group. He's only been here a couple of days and it's been exactly that. So we're very excited about the acquisition and what he can bring to this team. Because whenever you go to training here, Max was so loud and so vocal and like big, big part of the energy that he brought to the team. And he's going to do it down there. There's no doubt, and defensively, LAFC have got stronger. I would be stunned if they don't make the, the playoffs this season. I've got to say that. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, uh, bringing in someone like Hollingshead, well, he's a little bit older now, like he's in his 30s, I think, but he, I think it's a, it's a, a huge pickup for them. We'll do our kind of Western Conference preview on the, the next show as well. But, I mean, I, I fully expect LAFC to... To have a, a strong season, I, I agree with Zach. There, the LAFC is going to probably have a bounce back. Um, it, it, you know, the one who shall not be named. Maybe they needed a fresh voice instead of him and everything like that. And and Max Capo could be that Harry Potter, mm-hmm. um, shot of life in the system, adding some magic to their to their exactly. Line. Yeah, definitely. Max, Max. Last thing I'll ask about Max then. Looking at some of the response that he had after my article on on Twitter and Facebook, and I know you'll have to take that in a snapshot that is social media. LAFC come here July 2nd. It's the Canada Day game at a BC play sack. What kind of reaction are you expecting Max to get? Yeah, I mean, when you... I've read some of those spaces, in, in some of those spaces, Michael, and it's like, wow, like, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a little bit surprised because... There does seem to be uh, quite a bit of hurt feelings over the over his departure and and the the, the rationale that both he's given and and the unknown around it all. So it sounds like it from some people it might be kind of frosty. I mean, they're yeah. they're, even, they're even talking about like visual displays and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I would not uh, like he could definitely start for LAFC, but it, I would not start Mexico for a Canadian national game for the next little bit. Uh, in BC Place, if they ever play in BC Place. Oh, if anyone does anything like that against him when he's playing for the national team, that's just disgusting. I, I'd be concerned. I'd be concerned a little bit. Really? Really? Well, it does seem quite... I'm like, just saying... There's I'm, a lot of vitriol I'm, going around at the moment. I'd be concerned initially to see what... what like, if it happens really soon, I think I'd be there may be some concern. Well, the game's not going to be here in March, so... Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I genuinely did not write the article with the thought that the fans were going to turn on Max so quick. So, yeah. But I think, I think some people were just looking for something to turn on them because they, yeah. they were, because they weren't happy with the fact that, yeah, because they turned on the Whitecaps initially mm. when, when, when they, because they traded away the MVP and they're not bringing anything back. So I think uh, when they turned into this and they just, a lot of people are just upset about this trade. And, and so you're going to turn on it wherever you can turn yeah, on it. Yeah, I mean, it, it it does still feel like a giant hole for Vancouver. Like, I mean, they're, they're taking a, a significant risk. In, they just in, kept two clean sheets. In, in preseason friendlies against... Against USL teams yeah. that are just starting. Yeah, but ignore, ignore that. But that is it for this part. 
That is it for the Whitecaps chat, pretty much. We're going to be back, though, looking at the exciting news this week, that Vancouver could be back in the frame for hosting World Cup 2026 matches. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Lucas Cavallini. You're listening to the AFT Soccer Show. Welcome back to the last part of this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, we're keeping the love theme in the air of sorts. This is a song from 1993 from Sonic Youth from their fantastic Dirty album. Absolute classic of an album. It was the fourth and final single taken from it. That was Drunken Butterfly. Ah, so we we spoke a lot in the show about the the love of the game and why players have loved it. We've heard from a few of them. We've got one more that we'll we'll play you shortly. So I haven't asked you guys. Let's start off with Steve. What is it about football that you you love so much? What was it that ignited your love of the game? I think uh, I think first and foremost is probably the '86 World Cup. That was first and foremost. Uh, it was uh, that's the first memory I have. I think my uh, grandfather, my dad, my uncle, all all of us were watching the game uh, coming from from Mexico. Um, I didn't really. Um, I think it was maybe nine ten, so I really didn't know too much about the sport. I don't. I think I grew up playing, you know, everything else but soccer initially. Um, so uh, yeah, but I think eighty six was probably the biggest, and then after following that, the basically the 86ers uh constant titles and Dominic Mobilio and that kind of stuff that, that those those are things that probably initially and then I talked about last week the Kentna uh <laughs> Kentna yeah. kid, that really brought me to the Premier League and international club football so yeah so why, why do you still love it now I think it's just it's just a great game like you feel the flow of the especially when it's done right um, it's just a, it's a great game that even if you're not cheering for either team, you can really enjoy the sport. Um, there's like, like the game kind of flow, it flows and you can see the, you know, the tactics and everything on the pitch and how people are lined up and where, where they're coming from. So it's, it's really, and it's not, it's fast paced, but it also can slow down. You can slow it down too. So it's got different rhythms and everything like that. And I like that especially. So Zach, first of all, then what what ignited your passion in the game? Uh, you know, it was well friendship, right? My my best friends growing up were really big into football, and uh, 
So played with them and started watching uh, with them. Uh, and I think football is one of those things where it's uh, simple to play, but a little like kind of hard to master, right? So there's like a, anyone can do it. That's me on FIFA. <laughs> yeah, anyone can do it, but it's uh, it's hard. It's, you know, it takes time, energy, effort and talent and, you know, some physical abilities to, to, to master it. And so it's, it is really like, it feels like the world's game, right? It feels like this is, it's, you know, it's like music, you know, everyone, it's a part of every culture in every way, although maybe not exactly every culture of football, but. Um, so, so I, getting involved in the supporter side then and like with Southsiders initially and then Curva Collective and now with the Fraser Valley Fanatics, what's, what's behind that passion? Why do you keep wanting to do that? Why do you keep wanting to get involved? Yeah, I think well, it, it, when I went to when I went to football in Europe and I experienced the the culture and the atmosphere and what's all involved, it was yeah. I mean, the story is I came back and I said, no, I can hope that happens here and sit back and wait for it to happen, or I can actively be a part of you know making it happen or or helping it form in a in its own cultural context in here in in, in the Lower Mainland, and so. I decided not to just sit back and wait for it to happen. I decided to get involved. And, you know, right after the, that first trip I took to Europe, um, I came back and my wife and I went to a game. I don't think we were, I don't know if we were season ticket holders already, but we'd been to game, games before. Um, and so we went to a game and then went to where the supporters were and were welcomed into community by people like Naz and Minna and uh, just fostered some really deep and long lasting, you know, uh, friendships uh, from over the years. And I guess I, I'm still involved with it because it's still meaningful and because of some of those friendships and, and stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, it was great to be in Hamilton, you know, uh, with, with Naz, like standing next to Naz, right? It was great to be in Edmonton with, you know, not just my son, but with, mm. uh, with Slamo, you know, like just with people I've known for years and years, uh, enjoying and something. Sharing experience and amazing yeah. memories with them. Yeah, totally. I mean, and yeah, like I've talked about, uh, I talk about that, that Edmonton trip lots, but like, yeah, it was like, both Edmonton and Hamilton. There were like reunions with all these people I know from all over the country, people I know really, really well, people I, and I only know from the, you know, being in the stadium with them and that kind of stuff. And it was just really, um, they were just really, really special, especially those who I had deeper relationship rights with. So like, you know, my son and I going, going bowling with Ozzy and his daughter, you know, um, my son and I going out to, to to dinner with the Watsons, you know, like just spending and, and then, you know, sharing a hotel room with Slamo, you know, like just these these deep relationships. It's, for me, it's all about about friendships and relationships and um, whether I'm actively involved in like supporter culture or not. Like it's it's been uh, it's been a great place to make friends. And, uh, you know, I have friends there that as we were even kind of talking about before the show, Michael, they're, they're friends I'll be friends with, you know, for life. Yeah, and I I want to I, I want to like I agree with Zach. Like uh, that's a very good point. Like I didn't even think about it at the time, but when you first asked the question, that that the, the basically 2010, 2011, when meeting up with these guys and seeing a different side of, of soccer, like I would always been watching it on TV, watching it in the stands, but you know, being in the things and the things that you know really come to my mind in, over these first few years when I was really into the uh, supporter side of it. Um, you know, being behind the Romanian goalkeeper for the Seawolves, um, uh, like being told that we couldn't say stuff by security 
Um, and then having to come up with different, like having to not being able to say fat bastard to somebody because they were fat. Uh, and, and then so we had to come up with fatty foods instead while when he kicked off the uh, uh, wall. And, and that I kind of stuff. That one. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that one really pops in my head. Obviously, we talked about this Seattle and Vancouver and in Langley uh, a couple of weeks ago. We mm-hmm. talked about that. Those kind of memories do do pop in the head. And, and me, being able to meet um, a guy like Andy O'Brien. Who, who I would probably say out of all the white caps personally changed my life based mm-hmm. his story and stuff like that really had a major effect in my life. So that kind of stuff. And so if I wasn't, you know, started going into the rep- reporting side of it, not meeting with Zach guys and the curva and everything like that, and then not going to training. And then the one of the biggest things, the memory wise was the, uh, the, the first couple of years we did the VMSL. Um, uh, uh, soccer, um, the tournaments and everything. When we when we would do the reporting, actually, like going to each game, and I was like, I think I went to like three, four games in a weekend. With Michael, you went to certain different games. But we meet up at, at certain games together. Uh, that was enjoyable too. So yeah, I, I could, that that because it feels like it's been forever. That kind of kind of slipped through my mind when you first asked mm. the question. I I think one of the things Michael that makes it special is, and, and not that this doesn't happen in other North American sports, but um the the significance of supporting your team away from home because yes. that that is one of the things that just like deepens relationships so like yeah locally the, the trips even just to places like seattle and portland uh and, and california and utah where like in edmonton you know like they just they they just foster and grow and build those relationships and make I, them I think, better. I think supporting teams across like uh, away from this, the, your home stadium, whatever it does happen in other sports, but it doesn't happen in the same way that soccer, where you go as a community. I think that's different uh, than what it does there. And especially because you'll see it in spattering of away fans in other sports, but you don't see that the collection of uh, fans that you see as supporters. In, in the way stadiums and soccer. Yeah, which which just ties into the way you actually support at the games, mm-hmm. right? Like that's that's one of the things that just sets it apart from everything else, really. Well, the- it was like that time, Zach, we went to Ottawa and we're going through the streets going, let's burn the Capitol. Oh, no, wait a minute, that was that Italian Ultras film. I'm mix, mixing those up. Or it might have been the TFC fans that went there. One of those, one of those two things. Anyway, I, I get those mixed up. Were any truckers involved? <laughs> don't, don't think so. I know a lot of what we're saying, why we love the game, it can it can be put across so many sports. I, I, I love the theatre of football and the drama of the football. Like, sports of all kinds, but especially football, create such a drama. Like, I, I when people say to me, why do you like darts? Darts is sport and drama because things can just change all of a sudden and it's like you're controlling things. And But with football, I, I think initially... I got into the game and so many of my early memories are with my granddad because uh, when as I was growing up, it was just my mum, my gran and my granddad. My dad wasn't around for, for various reasons, although he is now. He wasn't in prison. I will just stress that as far as I know. But I have so many memories of being with my granddad and when it was Scottish Cup final day, he would buy me a little Highland toffee chew and we'd sit and watch the game together. Then he took me to my first games. We went to see Glenrothes Juniors, which was a, a non-league side uh, in my hometown. And we'd walk to the games and we'd go and see those games. And that got my love of, of going there. And I always remember writing in my final year at primary school uh, a story 
um, about just evoking when I go there and the, the smells of the stadium. Like you could smell the what we call deep heat. It was like a heat cream, like a liniment rub. You could smell that, and you could smell the onions frying and all that stuff. I equate with, with the game. And then as got older, it's the memories that you have with your friends, and that that's why I I've really enjoyed doing our East Fife podcast because that's I've got a chance to reconnect with some of my mates from back in Scotland. And we're talking about things from the past. That oh, do you remember that 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 trip where someone threw through the the glass through the television screen at the in the social club or oh do you remember that time when we set fire at the the Christmas tree in the social club both of them in Berwick funnily enough those those stories which we are now banned from yeah listen to the podcast for those stories but it, it's like as you said Zach it's going to away games and it's like you're representing your local community at this away game you're representing the team and not from a violence point of view or, or stuff like that as I've joked about but just go and it's like you feel the pride you feel the community which is missing a little bit here but I think it's growing a lot more CPL certainly helped with that as well and the more clubs we get I think we're going to see that but it's just it's a game that I can't imagine not being in my life really and I've just made some great friends out of it like you two here I don't know how quickly I would have settled into Canada or if I even would have settled into Canada if A, there wasn't football to watch and B, I hadn't been taken into that community by Zach and by Johnny Monster and those early days and the things we did at Swan Guard that we certainly would not be allowed to do in modern day society. We'd be kind of cancelled, I think, if we did some of the stuff now that we did back then. But happy days, happy memories. I just love the game. Let, let us know why you love it. Share your memories of things as well and just why you love the game of football so much, why it's important in your life. We're going to play our final love of football snippet now from one of the Whitecaps players and I think I've saved the best to last because the the passion shown here by Whitecaps striker David Egbo about why he loves the game, why he wants to play the game, I, I can't imagine you'll listen to this and not be enthused. Here's David Egbo. What is it about football that you love? What what got your love of the game, and what is it that you love about playing the game and watching the game? Mm, okay, uh, football for me is different than mo- most people would say. Um, football is my life. It's my passion. It's my first love. Um, it was. It's what makes me different. I remember growing up in Nigeria and we were in class and everyone were, and our teacher asked us, what do you want to be when you grow up? He was like, I want to be a doctor. Or I want to be a soldier. I want to be this. When they got to my turn, I said, I want to be a footballer. And I was different. And like, maybe they laughed at me. It was, it was cool. But that was because I loved it so much and I could not get away from it. I stuck to it. So football is... I just love the way it makes me feel and how whenever I'm kicking a ball on the pitch, everything goes away. All my troubles, you're not thinking about anything. It's just you and the ball and you are just in the zone and you are vibing, you know, off, off the pitch. It's, I love watching soccer because that's, I'm like a visual learner. So I love watching, I watch anything. I watch women, NWSL, I watch anything because that's just the way 
I learned. And um, even if I can't catch a game, I'd love to watch the highlights, but just see what happens uh, because you never know. So you can learn something from anywhere. So I watch and I'm like, oh, okay. So yeah, I love watching football because it's just, it's just something about the game that just brings people together and just puts a certain type of feeling in your body. And I love football, man. I ain't even gonna lie. I really love it. I could watch it all day, all week. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do as my wife would sadly testify to. So David Egbo there, absolutely fantastic stuff from David, just talking about his love of the game. And yeah, you, you listen to that, you just want to go and watch the football match, basically. But Steve talked about one of the things that ignited his passion for the game was the 1986 World Cup. And what would we all love? To watch the 2026 World Cup, not just played in Canada, but actually here in our home city of Vancouver. It looked like it was a done deal for the longest time. And then the rug was whipped away from us. No longer was Vancouver part of the the hosting cities. There was always chatter that, oh, they could go back in. And then it was like, no, they won't get back in. But then Montreal dropped out. There has been talk about Edmonton with infrastructure and stuff as well that they may not get selected. We'll have to wait and find out. Toronto's still in the mix there pretty much a shoe and you would have to think uh, as being one of the host cities in Canada. Edmonton should be 75-80% or if it is just the two cities, 100%. But then all of a sudden this week, Vancouver was back in the frame as being a, a, a host city. It's something, Zach, we, we'd heard about in the grapevine that the, the, the chance to do this had never fully died. John Horgan, though, came out and said this week that it's a much different sort of landscape as it was when they pulled out. COVID has obviously hit the city hard. The chance to to have Vancouver as a host city for the world's game, they're already talking about having another bid for the, the Winter Olympics in 2030, but to get the World Cup is a much bigger thing. He also talked as well that initially it was a lot of money that it was going to be in handing over the city for weeks for just two games. Now it could be three to even up to five games. It's exciting, Zach. I'm still kind of not wanting to get too excited and get my hopes dashed again, but they're up there. Yeah, I'm going to stay in the not ex- not excited about this as much as I would prefer for this to be the case. Or, sorry, prefer for this to come to fruition. Uh, it's like, uh, I, won't, I won't believe it's happening until like FIFA's officially announcing it kind of thing because... Uh, yeah, and this isn't a political thing for me. Like, uh, it's not a oh, this party, that person, whatever. Uh, just I just know that as soon as people said they don't want the World Cup in this in this city, I was like, okay, I I have I have no time for those people. <laughs> I don't care what their stripes are, you know who they are, or whatever. And I was almost um, out campaigning for the Liberals. <laughs> I didn't. I don't think I did that. But I, um, well, that involved me having to leave the house. So obviously, I was against that. But no, I mean, obviously, you know, we want it here because we want to be close. The, I, I hadn't heard that, what you just said, Michael, about the, instead of two, it could be three to five. Yeah, um, that's, that's what, that's um, Horgan was on the Donnie and 
Daly show, is it? That's over in the island now. And That's correct, yeah, Donnie yeah. Daly. No. Um, so he was just talking on that and he said, yep, yeah, it's it's changed. It could be three to five. To get five would mean Edmonton's not part of it, surely. But That's, well, that's what I was going to say. The one thing I would say in all of this is I will feel re- I will feel really bad for the city and people of Edmonton if Vancouver gets in and they don't. Now, you know, uh, that's without going into all the, the finer details of their bids and what their cities and stadiums and, and whatever offer. But I, uh, yeah, I will feel really bad for, for, for the, for the, especially, you know, Canadian football supporters in Edmonton, if, if they, if their chance at hosting a world cup is now usurped by Vancouver's late re-entry, they have every right to feel aggrieved. Um, yeah, I know some of the people from Edmonton, and I don't have to feel sorry for them at all. <laughs> I, I've got to be honest; I <laughs> couldn't care less either if we get it and they don't. <laughs> We're heartless here, and, I, and I'm not talking about the people that went to the games recently. I'm talking about some other people I know there. I, oh, I, don't, I don't know anyone in Edmonton apart from Alan Koch, so I'd feel for him. But I'm sure he would just come back to Vancouver to watch the games. <laughs> but I, I, it's it's exciting, Steve. But are, are you tempering expectations just a, a little bit? Um, I, I never, I never really gave up that much hope back then. I always thought there was a chance for it to come back. I honestly did. I, I didn't, I never feel like there's in, in these kind of situations, there's a hard deadline. I always feel like there's a chance for anything to change at whatever moment. I know the, the FIFA definitely would love to have Vancouver as part of the world cup situation, because I know that they, they probably want to do like some kind of convention here prior to the World Cup. Well, the original uh, rumors the... were the opening or the draw for it was going to get held here. Yeah, so that's that's what I'm talking about. That people like Vancouver as a destination city. So I'm, I know that the uh, FIFA executives probably would like to be in Vancouver at some point. The the thing was, I I asked some people, and they kept on telling me, "There's no way back. There's no way back. There's no way back." Yeah. So, so I, I, that's partly why I'm surprised. See, uh, what I'd been told all along was FIFA wanted Vancouver in. So because they wanted that, because it is a it's a great stadium for for all we might think of it on a on a week by week basis, it it's a big stadium. Maybe but, more than great. And, and obviously, 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 there 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 will be like if if there's natural grass there, then it becomes a very good stadium in my books. Um, and there will be for that place, no matter how much people say, oh, it's just like the women's thing. There definitely will be grass there uh, when that, that's played. Oh, 100%. It's not getting yeah. played in turf. So um, so for me, that's well, that's one of the biggest issues for BC Place is that the artificial turf. And then on top of that, I'm okay with the, you know, because like, I'm not a big fan of the, like the, the, the outside part of the stadium, but you all you gotta do is walk in from outside to inside, whatever. Like the you know the walkway and the uh, the general I, outside. I don't mind the outside of it actually. I think it's quite nice. It's big. It's not not the not the outside state. Oh, like, like the like the walking areas and everything. Oh, and oh stuff yeah, like that. they are pretty cramped. But then I find yeah. that in a lot of stadiums, it's worse yeah. than a lot of the English stadiums that I've been in. Scottish ones are a bit roomier, some of the bigger ones that I've been in, but some of the English and, ones I've been in is like... And I've always liked stadiums where uh, you, you don't have... Uh, you kind of have an open area, so you can even be in, walking around that area and you still catch the game. I like those kind of stadiums, so hopefully they in the future something like that can be done. 
Now, one of the, the things that they've been talking about for Vancouver and the reason that they really want Vancouver in it is because you've got the Vancouver-Seattle corridor. So you've yeah. got the, the Pacific Northwest, which would be a, a fantastic option for having shared groups or two groups playing in the two cities. We've got like a second round tie, I believe. Canada's got that as well. I think everything is it from the quarterfinals that's going to be in America, but we've definitely got a couple of games in the, in the second round as well. So the training facility here, it, I mean, when you speak to players, players are blown away by, by the training facility that the Whitecaps have. And if a team can base themselves here, I think that's a big selling point as well. And there are so many good facilities and stadiums in, in the city. You've got the transportation, you've got the infrastructure, everything that kind of came from the, the Olympics and stuff as well. There's not a lot of work needing to be done, whereas in Edmonton, they definitely have to improve transportation, especially from the airport into the downtown area. And I, I know folks seem to love Commonwealth Stadium here. Now, I've never been... I will preface it by saying that, but I don't just the look of it from an aesthetic point of view. The fact that there isn't roof and stuff to me, it's not a good stadium. Now you've been yeah. there, Zach. Yeah, it's not. It's not a. It's not a, a nice, nice stadium. It, it, but it was voted. But, was it not the best Canadian stadium in St. Paul last year or something? For, like for CFL or no, just all stadiums in Canada? I'll try and find that. Yeah, I mean it's it's a pigskin ground, right? So it's not the best for football. I mean, you talk about the the women's World Cup. I mean, the Canadian supporters for the women's World Cup, they were like in the end zone with like they were very far away from the pitch. It was not not good. It was not ideal, which is why uh, the, the Voyagers worked with the CSA to make the Voyager section not back there again for for the World Cup qualifiers, and they were at least in the corner, kind of half you know kind of up to the 18 yard box or so uh, on the one side but um yeah it's not it's not i mean for canada yeah it's a it's an okay stadium for canada right like it's a, a good stadium for canada but yeah in terms of like football stadiums it's not like soccer stadiums it's not it's not ideal okay i, f- I found it here a studling a study for a, a site called gambling.com ranked 50 stadiums in the country based on seven factors Capacity, average price of car parking, number of parking options. I, I don't know if this is a parking thing or whatever. Google review rating of the stadium, number of reviews in total, and the average rating of local restaurants and the number of food and drinking options per 1,000 residents. And Commonwealth Stadium was top in Canada with 235 points. BC Place was second on 223 Royal Athletic Park in Victoria was third in 218. Yeah, this doesn't make sense. I don't buy this. To... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's I, funny. I, I remember at the time thinking, I don't get this at all. But Yeah, I've been to Royal Athletic for football for the Under-20 World Cup in 2007. That was, it was fun. I, that's where I saw, well, I, I don't know if he played. That's where I saw uh, Kendall's Costa Rica. Think it goes without saying that everyone would be loving it if it was here, but I am still tempering my expectations. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I have kind of let myself a little bit this week. 
yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. That is pretty much it for this show. Our Valentine's Day special, as I've called it, which I guess hasn't really been too much about Valentine's Day, but there's been a lot of love chat. Last thing I'll ask you guys, what's more important to you? Family or football? You're giving me weird looks, Zach. Oh, my, my family is more, more important than football. But Steve, I, Steve, I do, I do, bring my fa- I do bring my family to a lot of <laughs> to a bunch of football. Is family for you, Steve, more than football? Yeah, Sandeep's just like over there, so I'm going to say family. Ah, okay. Well, Kate, Caitlin's upstairs, so I'm going to say football. It's like those people that bring banners to to games, and it's like, uh, it, one I remember was at a Man United game. It's like uh, Man United kids, wife in that order. Oh my. So everything for me has always revolved around football. And the reason I, I'm mentioning that is because of this week's wavelength. I wanted that something that had a kind of love side to it. And this week's wavelength is a cautionary tale if you do pick football over family. It's a song about meeting a girl, settling down with her, having a family, and then losing her and your kids because football is more important to you. Price worth paying, in my opinion, but we'll we'll move on for that. And all the events in your life are coordinated around a football memory, like promotion, an away game, or your wife having legs like Ian Wright. So this is a song from from Brighton punk band Scurvy. It's called Football, and here it is.
Although I love them, my kids and wife, they know that football is my life. Brighton punk band Scurvy there. Song from 2020 album Apathetic Apology. You can find that on Bandcamp. That's Scurvy, S-K-U-R-V-I. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, I, I don't know if I ever told you the story about... about about uh so cheryl and i started dating or we met in the uh, september 98 we started dating in october 1999 uh, and as things got uh, more and more serious um we had conversation about getting married and i remember this was uh at some point in 2000 yeah and i said look i said cheryl uh you know we're talking about marriage i said you know i really you know there's just been a big announcement in 2000 and I said, you know, look, Cheryl, I really, you know, I, I want to go to the World Cup in Germany in 2006. And ideally, like, I want to go, like, as a single dude with, like, my friends and, like, whatever. And so I said, I kind of don't want to get married till like, 2006. And Cheryl said to me, she said, um, she said, that's okay. Like, getting married in 2006, that's totally fine. I said, I said, really? And she said, yeah, you just won't be marrying me. But, I mean, you feel free to get married <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so we got married. Anyways, we got I, I we we two thousand one, December two thousand one. We got engaged. We got married in August two thousand two, and then we didn't do like a big honeymoon. We did a really small honeymoon, and then in two thousand six, we spent four weeks uh, at, on a trip, which was our kind of like real honeymoon. Uh, three weeks in Germany, a few days in Paris, and a few days in London, uh, all around the World Cup. For me, wedding-wise, there were no events between January 1st and January 10th in 2002, so nothing really came up in soccer. Because that's when I met her, on January 1st, uh, and we got married on January 10th. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I knew it was a quick thing. I didn't know it was that quick. Oh, yeah. Wow. Caitlin knew what she was marrying into, that's all I'll say on that. And I've told the story before about taking her to a game, East Fife, and she sat up the back of the stand reading a book. But I did buy her a pie at halftime, so... There, there was that. But that is it for this episode of the AFT and Soccer Show. Just before we go, Steve, any final thoughts, anything you learned this week, where can people find you online? Well, you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat, uh, just celebrating my 12-year anniversary on Twitter today, actually. Oh, I, thought, I, thought, I thought you were going to go back to marriage. <laughs> no, no, that was 20. We just celebrated our 20th anniversary oh, wow. back in January. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat, and what I'm th- thankful or learned is I'm so glad that there's not a Tim or a uh, or a Tony, a former Whitecap goalie. Uh, so then I can, whenever I talk about Thomas Sassel, I'll just speak about Thomas Sassel. Yeah, that that is always a plus. And you got anything special planned for Sandeep, or do you not want to say because she's in the room for Valentine's Day? No, we don't celebrate Valentine's Day. Ah. We we've never. I don't think we've ever done that. I don't. I don't believe. I mean, let's be honest, it's a load of crap, really. But anyway, (laughs) in our Valentine's Day special. Zach, any final thoughts from you? What have you got planned for a special Valentine's surprise? I I imagine you're a rose petals everywhere kind of guy. Uh, You can find me on Twitter, at Zachary M. Uh, I don't, I think we might have dinner at home as a family, probably. Maybe we'll order in something special. I don't know, there's not a lot of big plans. I have in the past done kind of things, but... And yeah, when when you're married with kids, what you know, you just hang out with his family. Um, 
uh and with these times we live in like we don't go out as as much as we nearly as much as we used to um if uh my my thought for this week is uh if anyone was watching today you saw um Bayern Munich has a club that they call their friendship club and today uh we did our friends a solid <laughs> ah I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Give us a like and subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com backslash AFTN Canada. Leave some lovely glowing reviews and any nice ratings on any of the podcast platforms. That would be good as well. I learned this week that maybe all hope is not lost. East 5 could avoid relegation. We got our first win of the year today. It, it was a big win. We're back in the hunt. Could they pull off an amazing escape act? We're only six points out of getting out of the automatic relegation places. Come on, you can do it, guys. I know you can. But that is it for this show. So as always, thanks for listening. Take care. Have a happy Valentine's Day, however you choose to spend it. Just don't give cards. Save the paper. Get lots of chocolate. Remember... 15th that's when you should be celebrating it it's cheap chocolate day we will be back with another episode soon oh it's only our 500th one we'll try and make that a bit special for you guys until then thanks for listening and mon the caps going to your first match is an experience you never forget the atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Yeah. Mm-hmm.